Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Can God trust you? What we have learned as modern day church, we've taught portions of the scripture, we've taught portions of the Bible that stirs our faith in God. We taught portions of the scripture that tells us, for we know that all things work together for what? The good. To who? To them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. We've taught those scriptures. They are right. Those scriptures come to stir us that no matter what we go through, if we trust God, all things are going to work together for the good. In Psalms 27, verse 13 and 14, we've even shared, and maybe you've heard these verses, it says from David, I have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David is trying to describe that he's been through some tough times, and he would have gave up, and he would have fainted, Unless he believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, believing in God kept him alive. Trusting in God kept him moving. Believing that God cannot lie and that God is not man that he would lie. But every word he's spoken would come to pass. These things kept David fighting for life. Kept him trusting in God. He says also, wait on the Lord. It's for those who get anxious and those who get discouraged and those who go through things and don't know what to do. He says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, he tries to talk in a way that says, I've been through circumstances where I didn't know what to do, where I didn't know where to go. But I'm telling you, as somebody who's been tried by God, anybody been tried by God, tell your neighbor, he tried me. <laughs> he didn't come when I wanted to. He didn't act the way I wanted to. He put me in some things. I thought were difficult God tried me but he says I dare you to wait on the Lord and be of good courage things that are not often um, easy to do now you may, may make it to be a, uh, make it to seem easy but waiting on God is not always easy waiting on God is not always easy and then the challenge to be of good courage while you wait because you can be waiting with a bad attitude. You can be waiting being bitter. You can be waiting being mad. You can be waiting and saying, God, I'm not doing anything until you come through for me. You can act as if you can put God in a hostage situation. As if, uh, you, God, you're not going to obey God until God do X, Y, Z for you. Or you can say, God, I'm going to give my life to you after you did do this for me. Or you can pray to God and say, God, if you will turn this thing around, I'll serve you forever I tell you something about God. God won't turn it around and then still look back at you and say, will you serve me forever when, you, when I don't turn it around? Sometimes we pray to God as if we're going to bring God into a hostage situation that says, if you don't bless me first, I won't live for you. If you don't bless me the way you want me, way, the way I want to be blessed, then I won't do X for you or Y for you. And I'll tell you something about God. God will not move. God will not bless you. God will not change things. God is not someone who to be appeased. He's not a puppet on a string. You can't just carry God around and tell God what to do, when to do, how to do it, and you can't even 
quote enough scriptures to make God do something before time. Oh, if you've been living long enough and learned a little bit of your Bible, you'll learn something about God. You can quote scriptures day and night and God say, I'm still not going to do it till it's time. I'm still not going to do it till it's time to turn it around. And we have to learn how to wait on God and be of good courage. Meaning while you're going through the roughest times of your life, are you still being committed to your praise? Are you still being committed to your worship? Or have you stopped worshiping because God didn't do it yet? Have you gotten a bad attitude? Oh God, God wants me in the evening season to help confront bad attitudes in the life of believers, bad attitudes in the life of Christians, bad attitudes in the life of those who love him. And many times we know uh, our attitudes really get real out of, out of sorts when we have to wait on certain things, okay? And God is challenging us and David says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I use this scripture to open up because again, it stirs our faith to trust in God. And I believe that many times we have only been taught and challenged to trust in God. But today God says, I need people that I can trust. I want to know, can God say, I want to know, can I trust you? Can God trust you? I want to read Genesis 1. I got several verses of scripture to help me bring out this message. Can God trust you? Genesis 1, 26 to 28. It says, and God said, let us make man in our own image. This is the story of the beginning of Adam and Eve after our likeness and let us have and let them have dominion. So he gave man dominion. He made him in his image and he gave them dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, created he him, male and female, created he them. This is what God did. And God blessed them, male and female, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I read these verses to say that you didn't create yourself. You didn't get, you didn't create yourself. One of the things that happens in the heart of man and happens in the mind of man is that we get in the earth and then once we get God's intelligence, we decide what is right. But the truth of the matter, the creature don't have, the creature don't have no business telling the creator what's right. And one of the challenges that God has and why people can't be trusted is because they take God's stuff and start doing what they want to do with it. They take God's stuff. See, in our lives, you got to have a boss. See, what happens and what's happening in our world is we got the spirit of rebellion that's running rampant through our families. It's running rampant through our communities. It's running rampant through the school. It's the spirit of rebellion because people hadn't 
learned that we have a boss and see and, and we got to we got to teach these principles of, of order and respect so people understand that we have a boss everybody has a boss pastor Joe has a boss I can't preach what I wanted to I'm a servant of the Lord I'm told what to preach I'm told what to study come on I just don't do what I want to do if I'm going to get a, a, a proper grade in my assignment come on you don't just go to the classroom and the teacher give out an assignment and the teacher looking for a certain product from the assignment and you tell the teacher well I didn't really want to do that and what are you expecting you expecting to pass the grade and pass the class but you're doing what you want to do I said this to say God has set things in order for mankind but man has been stubborn man has been rebellion and man a rebellious and man has been hard to trust because man have a habit of not respecting things God puts in place God said I made man in my image that means that God has an outcome now, this is what challenges us Now, this is going to mess with your heart and your mind today it means when God created man he already had an outcome of what he wanted man to do. That means that you're supposed to get in the earth and find out what God wants. That means you're supposed to get in the earth and find out what God wants in you because God had a purpose for man when he made Adam and Eve. It, 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 it means the same thing to us. He made them in, the, in his image, in his likeness, and gave them authority. He gave them authority with a fish of the sea. He says, basically, I need you to govern my earth. I need you to manage my earth. I need you to make sure things go well. All right? I made you my own image. And listen what God also did. God also made them male and female. Come on, God also made them male and female. It's only the spirit of rebellion that's running in our earth that's trying to get, get rid of genders. Don't y'all get sensitive? Come on. That's, that's the spirit of rebellion. God created. See, what is the creature that still tell the one who created things what it's going to be? And how can the creature um, not follow the design and expect to turn out with a good outcome? How can the creature not follow what's been ordained, designed by the manufacturer and expect to get where it wants to be? That's why our world is in chaos because the world is in rebellion against God God created them male and female God did this God had it it's called divine design it's called divine design it, it's a design above your thinking it's a design according to the manufacturer's thought and intent he know what he wanted in the earth he know what he wanted to do in the earth and he set it in motion from day one and I know there are still people trying to argue uh, that we will come from apes and we came from something genetic uh, evolution of things and my god that's that's you not even using your brain and your heart when you think that way a man in the way that he is fashioned is too perfect to come from a big bang theory it's too perfect on how the brain functions and how the brain and the heart and the lung functions and how he gives us liver and a pancreas and things to carry out waste come on your body is a divine design and it didn't come from no evolution on no big 
Bang Theory, there's a God above everything that has put things in motion and we gotta stop being rebellious against God's divine design. God did this. Everybody say God did this. And I'm telling you what's happening is people won't submit to what God did. This is the challenge in the earth that people won't submit what God has done. And people think now that we're, earth, we're in the earth. Now he gave us dominion over it. But the rebellion is when you take God's stuff and do what you want to do with it. Oh, y'all going to need some analogy this morning, you know. If I, if I let you hold my car and I tell my kid, go to, go to the store and come on back, I've given you authority to drive my car to go to the store. That's the only authority you have been given for the car. He said, well, daddy, on my way back, Johnny called me and he want me to stop by, stop by his house for a second. No, no, no. I didn't give you authority to stop by John's house to pick up nothing. And you got to tell John when he calls you on the phone while you're driving your car, man, I can't come. Why not? I'm right down, down the path. I'm right going down the path road because I don't have authority to come over there. My dad only gave me authority to go to the store. See, what, one of the challenges, we can't be trusted with instructions. We can't be trusted it with an assignment God has set things in motion and then the rebellious heart wants to do what it wants to do can God trust you he blessed them and said God said to be fruitful multiply so so listen even in God's intent God's intent was good so God didn't divide design man to not prosper he said, if you follow my design, I'll prosper you. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that creepeth upon the earth. So here is Psalms. Let me go through this. Psalms 139, 23, and 24. I'm going to teach my scripture today that show you why we have problems and why God can't trust man. But God is looking for people he can trust. God is looking for people who can follow the assignment. God is looking for people that can carry out what he wants to do. We focus so much on trusting in God, but God said, now I'm looking for some people that I can trust. Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. It says, search me. Uh-oh. Now, who going to open up and become vulnerable for a search by God? says, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Now, now people have this, this phrase they always like to say, God, know my heart. Let me tell you about that phrase. You better be careful about it because he sure enough know your heart. And it ain't a matter of God knowing your heart. You better know your heart. The Bible says, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. This is a forensic, forensic investigation of your thinking. A forensic investigation of your motives. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. And so in order to be trusted by God, we got to allow God to first search us. Do you consent for a search by God? 
You consent that God try my heart, God. Try my heart. Try my thoughts. God, if my thoughts are not right, God, get it out of me. God, if my thoughts are not right. See, and until we become those type of people who submit ourselves to God and say, God, I just want to be right. God, I don't want to do nothing you don't want me to do. God, I don't want to go anywhere you don't want me to go. God, I want to obey you. I want to follow your direction, God. He, until we become those type of people, we can't be trusted. Do you understand that trust first start off as a test? Oh, let me say it this way. When God put you in a test, God was trying to determine if he can trust you. When God put you in a trial, God was just trying to see if he could trust you. When God let you go through what you've been through, God was just trying to see if he can trust you. When God's trying to determine if he can trust you with something, the way he does it is he will test you. Oh yeah, you don't believe it? Jesus couldn't even go forth in his full gospel ministry until he went to the wilderness. Now Jesus could have walked around talking about, I'm Jesus. I've been born for this. But the father said, yeah, you're born for this and we're going to know that you're born for this because we're going to put you in the wilderness. And for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. Why? Because God knows that the only way he knows that he can trust what Jesus has come to do is if he goes through a test. So you don't even have to worry about if God can trust you if you flunk every test. If you're flunking your test, you know that God's still working on your trustworthiness. If you're flunking every trial, you already know. You ain't got to fake it. You can, you can be honest. You can look at your test, and if you're not passing your test, you know you can't be trusted yet. Ain't no sense of here trying to fool nobody else. When you don't pass your test, God already knows you can't be trusted. And when Jesus passed the test in the wilderness, and he said, it is written on three temptations. He had major temptations. Y'all gonna have to pray for me today. He had major temptations. One of them was a major just for life. The first test was a test about bread. He says, uh, if you be the son of God, take this bread and turn them into stones. It was saying, when it comes to a natural part of your life, do you manipulate things in order to get what you want? Can you be trusted? Can you be trusted on your taxes? Your taxes. Everybody's like, hmm? Your taxes. They were like, hmm? They were like, hmm? Can you be trusted? And, and he was trusted with a natural thing. Then he was trusted with position. The devil said, I'll take you up to the highest mountain and show you the wonders of the world. What he was trying to say, I'm going to teach you what it is to be on top of things. He wanted to take Jesus to the highest temple. And he said, I'm going to show you. And then he promised Jesus, I'll give you all of this. Fame and fortune. I'll, be, I'll give you influence. I'll give you influence. I'll give you fame, money, all that. I'll give you all the wonders of the world if you would just bow down and serve me. Jesus was tested again. Jesus said, I'm not bowing down and serve you. The devil even tempted him to be full of his ego. Say, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself down. Because you know the scripture. The scripture says that he'll give his angels charge over you. Lest you dash your foot against the stone. 
And the true thing about Jesus, understand, I have no business taking any type of advice from the devil. Because there ain't no way you're going to get out of your test taking advice from the devil. So Jesus says, it is written on all three occasions. The last one is, if you will worship me, he said, I'm not worshiping you. I'll only worship the Lord thy God. I'm trying to tell you, your tests mean everything. You got to pass this season. You got to pass what's on your life. You got to pass what you're faced with. No more can we walk around not passing the test of life. It's time for God to have some people he can trust. God has some assignments in the earth. God got some things he wants to do. But the only way he can get it done he got to have people who pass the test. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6 and 10. 1 Timothy 6 and 10. Can God trust you is the point today. Can God trust you? I'm not, tr- I'm not teaching on can you trust God. Not today. God been talking to me all week. He said I got to bring my people up to a higher level of expectation. He said, I got to raise standards. God said, I got to raise standards. That's what he's been saying to me all week. He said, I got to give people standards. So they'll know there's something to reach forward to. 1 Timothy 6 and 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. It means if you love money that much, you'll do anything for it. If you can't be trusted with no money, and if you love money that much, you'll do anything for it. So uh, I, I refuse to love the love have the love of money. I like it because it allows me to do certain things, but I won't do anything for money. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted it, coveted it after they erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What happened? People who love money so much walked away from the faith. They could not be trusted with material gain, material possession. They got money, got possession, and guess what they did? They walked away from the faith. There's some people God can't bless yet because he know once they bless them with another house, another car, it's over. God can't use them no more. They can't smile no more. They done got cocky. They done got arrogant. They done forgot where they come from because they done got blessed. They forgot they've been into the lows. They forgot where they come from. They forgot their story. Now they're looking down on people and they don't remember that God's mercy has kept them and now they can't bless nobody else because they done got raised up. I want to know can God bless you? Can God raise you up? If God did, and we live in a generation of the church where there are so many people talking about being millionaires but God ain't stunning you talking about being no millionaire and you ain't good being no thousandaire. You ain't been faithful over your few thousand and you talking about God being a millionaire. God say, get out of here. I'll, I'll test you with little to determine if I can give you much. See, that's how God works. When you're faithful over little, so you can come in there and say, I had a dream all you want to. God going to keep testing to, testing you until you become developed to handle your dream. Until you're developed to handle your amb- ambitions. Until you develop to handle your, your, what God has called you to do. I remember when God was preparing me to pastor the church. And I tell this story all the time. I just thought about it. I was praying with the Lord one day and the Lord started talking back to me. In my prayer time. 
before we even had the people that got us sent so far in our church, the Lord was talking to me about the people. He says, and when those people, when, when, those, when, when you start this church and all those people come, that's what the Holy Spirit said. He said, don't you let them serve you more than they serve me. That's what he said to me. And I said to him, now this before we, we were, I was preparing to start. I said to the Lord, what people? <laughs> this is a conversation we and the Lord having and doing prayer. He said, and don't let those people serve you more than they serve me. Because if they can't serve me, them serving you don't mean nothing. And so I'm talking to the Lord, what people? I don't have any people yet. God, I'm just trying to get the plans together. I'm just trying to get the church name. I'm just trying to get the thing registered with the state of Florida. And you talking to me about people and stuff. God said, I need somebody I can raise up and I can trust. I need somebody I can bless with good sense and good wisdom. But they're going to give all the glory to me. I don't seen enough people that, this is what he was telling me. I don't seen enough people that time I bless them, they become haughty. They become arrogant. Nobody can't tell them nothing. They can't live with no humility and then next thing you know they treating people wrong they disrespecting people and, and I don't want started them up I don't want lifted them out of the mold I don't want lifted them out of the valley and look how they treat me after I've been good to them God knows that the heart of man can become very deceiving and evil so God was jacking me up early I was like well God I, well, I was, the way my personality is the way I talk to the Lord I was like okay Lord whatever you say I don't know what you're talking about and why you jacking me up so early I ain't even, we ain't even had our first service and I already got jacked up why because God was testing me he would let me know they're com gonna come a day of blessing they're gonna come a day of favor and that's why I never forget what God has brought me from that's why I never forget what God has taught me and I know that y'all don't belong to me y'all belong to God y'all God's people you ain't belong to me I don't even use the phrase and it's just me as a pastor I don't even use the phrase other people do but I don't I don't use the phrase that this is my church I never use that phrase I never use it it's not in my vocabulary I'm the pastor but I say our church we share it together but one thing it is not it's not mine it's his it ain't mine I ain't trying to take ownership because you know how everything how you treat things when it become yours you do what you want to do with it when you want to do something and I stay in the frame of a servant that this stuff don't belong to me come on this all this don't belong to me I'm just stewarding it for him I got a purpose for this to get it somewhere where I'm just a steward over the resources come on it's not mine it's yours can you say that about your money that is not mine it's yours can you say that about your intelligence it's not mine it's yours can you say that about your body this is not my body but this is the temple of the Holy Ghost it's not mine it's yours See, that's a place of breakthrough. That's a place of surrender. And the person who can say, God, it's not mine, it's yours. God can use that thing. God can use that thing. Anything, anything you give to God and say, God, it belongs to you. And I'm just a steward over it. God can use that thing. We have to be tested and tried. Let's go to Proverbs 22 and 6. Proverbs 22 and 6. We got to say, God, my body belongs to you. My mind belongs to you. Everything I have belongs to you. My money belongs to you. My time belongs to you. And see, when you can't say that, rebellion is trying to rise in your life. 
Because rebellion won't let you do it. You know why? Because you feel like you're going to lose out on something, giving up to God like that. You feel like you're going to lose it, so you start, you start hiding from God. You start not wanting to surrender to God. Here we go. Stewardship. Proverbs 22 and 6. Talks to parents. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm using this scripture because God trusts parents to instill values, morals, standards, and respect in the child. God is trusting parents with their child. God's trying to raise the bar on how we parent. And God said, look, I'm depending on it. There's no way the world going to get better when children don't understand respect, appropriateness, obedience at their times and their seasons or whatever like that. But they're pretty good. I'm just saying that as an example, but I'm just saying, I always say, you know, my children are not going to be the child that's going to the school system wreaking havoc. Not mine. See, parents got to have that same type of conviction. But no, the parents show up after the principals them call them, and you see what's wrong with the child, the parent. Because time the, the principal try to talk to the parent, the parent just as crazy as the child. Because it's at home we're having a child, a problem with the parent. I'm telling you, parents, when you give birth to a child, you ain't got time to be crying about what happened and how it got here. Ain't no child want to be hearing no sad story about how they got here. That child is there beginning to raise them, beginning to love them, and beginning to feed them. Come on, and beginning to pour into them. Nobody want to hear no sad story about what happened. Raise me, teach me, train me, love me, give me good experiences. Come on, and we got, I'm trying to place conviction back into the hearts of parents. God has been pressing on my spirit about this. He said, don't you let up from these parents. I'm telling you how you've been talking to me. He said, don't you let up from these parents. We got children doing what they want to do. Going where they want to go, saying what they want to say. He said, parents, I need y'all to tighten this thing up. I need you to structure your home, structure your house. I mean, God been talking to me. Parents, he says, come on, I'm depending on you to raise up the next generation. You know, every time I think about my daughter, and I'm using my kids personally, because I'm a parent, I have to put myself in that position. I'm not, I'm preaching to us, right? So every time I think about my daughter, I always think about one day she's going to be somebody's wife. And perfectly from that, she'll be somebody's uh, mother. So I'm not just raising my daughter, I'm raising somebody's wife. I'm raising somebody's mother. When I think about my son, I think about it all the time. One day, he's going to be some, some woman's husband. Have I trained him enough? Have I put work ethic in him enough? Have, have I tested him enough? Have I worked his ethic enough? Am I building him up that when he leaves my house, he knows who he, he is? He can hold his head up. Have I put what's in me? If you got anything good in you, you better put it in your child. You better deposit it in your child. You better put it. If you got anything right in you, you better give them your morals. Come on, they're leaving our house, dealing with all kind of warfare, and dealing with all kind of different things. We were, to me and Pastor Ron were talking. And we were talking just how much more as parents, me and Pastor Robin, we got to give to our children. Because when they leave our house, they're getting a lot of stuff we didn't give them. They're getting a lot of stuff that we wouldn't give them. And it's combating with what we want them to have. It's combating with what we want them to be. 
In some way, our leadership has to be stronger than any other influence in the, in the world. That's what I've been praying for as a, as a, as a father. I hope y'all hear my conviction today. That's what I've been praying for as a daddy, that my leadership is stronger than what my son sees on TV. That my leadership for my daughter is stronger than what she's experienced in the world. That some way, I am the greatest influence her mama too. See, I'm just taking ownership. I know I got a wife who joins in with, but notice, I can't worry about what Pastor Robin gonna do. And she's good. She's a wonderful mother. But what I can do is make sure I'm doing my part. That's why I'm only talking about me because I can control me. We do it together, but I'm only talking about me. She's a wonderful wife, wonderful woman of God. All that kind of stuff. We're in this thing together, but I can't sit up here and talk about what she gonna do. See, many of us are vacating responsibility because somebody else ain't doing their part. And we're sitting here fussing and fighting about what being done. I ain't got time to fuss and fight about something that belongs to me. And I got stewardship over it. When you going to raise up and say, this is my child. And I'm going to do the best I can. And God help me when I feel weak. And God help me when I feel tired. And God help me when I feel discouraged. But I'm not about to let nothing take my child. I feel the Holy Ghost for a parent. You got to learn how to get in the trenches. You got to learn how to get in prayer. You got to learn how to do some warfare. And don't you let your child go to the devil. Don't you let the child go to this world. You better learn how to fight for the next generation. Yeah. Can God trust you to raise a child? Can God trust you to raise up a kid? Can God trust you? First Samuel 1, 20 through 25. First Samuel 1, 20 to 25. 1 Samuel 1, 20 to 25. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived, she bare a son, called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. Let me pause. The story of Hannah is a woman who was having a problem conceiving a child. She's been picked on by the other woman because she could not have a child. God blessed her after her long wait to have a child and now she bears a son that's verse 20 verse 21 and the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice at, at sacrifice and his vow but Hannah went not up for she said unto her husband I will not go up until the child be weaned so they was going to worship for the yearly sacrifice she said I'm not going up till he's weaned then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and thereby forever and Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seemeth good, tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, three bullocks, an ephah, a flower, and a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. What just happened here is Hannah waited for a child. To only give them back to the Lord. Can God trust you after you don't wait it for a blessing? That you'll dedicate that blessing back to Him? She waited for this prized possession of a son. And after she got this prized possession of a son, Elkanah would say, Hey, let's go to worship. She said, No. Basically, I already know what I got to do with this son. 
He is given to the Lord. I'm about to offer him up to the Lord. He belongs to the Lord. And she gives her son back. Think about this. Think about, think about some of our mentalities. When we feel like we don't wait it for something. You know, think about all the principles of life that people live by, you know. You're only young once. And people waste all their young life doing crazy stuff. And then try to make up the next 20 years trying to catch up from all the craziness you did when you were young. Because you know, you know them stories, you're only young, long, young once. And so that means just do anything you want to do. And then that's, you know, then you try to spend the rest of your adult years catching up from all the craziness when you were young. <laughs> she dedicates her child back to God. How many of us can give up what God has given us? She waited for, she waited for him, but when God said, this son belongs to the Lord, uh, she raised Samuel to change the nation. She gave Samuel over to Eli, who was the priest, and, priest, and the priest Eli trained Samuel for the, for the be a prophet. And Samuel became the prophet of the Lord. And the people of God needed a prophet. Can you give up something for the greater good? Can you sacrifice for the greater good? Let me go here. Romans 12. Final scripture for the day. Can God trust you? Before I read it, I want you to know the whole Bible don't just have people who made mistakes, but it have people who got it right. Like Joseph the patriarch who had a dream that God was going to use him to save people. He went through the pit. He went through the palace. He was raised up on behalf of his family. And after all his brokenness, he said the enemy meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Can God take you through some betrayal? Can you be trusted with betrayal? Can you be trusted with the process of doing something good? Can you be trusted? Or do you get stuck in bitterness? Do you get stuck in anger? Joseph went through everything he went through to come to the place that says God meant this for good. Romans 12, and I'll be praying right after. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed. This is the warfare to this world. This world is trying to take people out from obeying God. But be ye transformed, how? By the rest you. God wants to know, can you pass this test that's on your life? God wants to know, will you take his gifts and give it back to him? Will you take his intelligence and honor him with it? God wants to know, will you take it, your time and honor with it? God wants to know, can he trust you? That's what he wants to know. Can he trust you to do right? Can he trust you? Can you lift your hands and let's pray today. In the time we live in, God... He's talking to me, and this is what he's saying. He says, he says, it's time for me to reverse the expectations. I have a lot of people who have great expectations of me, the Lord says. But it's time for them to know that I got expectations of them. I got a whole lot of people who can 
tell me what I ought to do. How I ought to bless them. How I ought to make ways in the wilderness. How I ought to bring them out. How I shall open up doors for them of favor and miracles and increase. He said, that's good. I got, I got a lot of people that got a lot of faith in me. And what I can do is God. But God said, I need some people that I can trust. I need people that can carry out assignments. I need people who can be faithful. I need people who are tough. I need people who can obey. I need people who can follow through. I need people who have integrity. I need people who are trustworthy. I need people who can follow through their assignment. I need people who are honest. God say, I want to know, I want everybody to know that I have expectations too. I'm trying to build some people up. I'm trying to encourage some people. I'm trying to love some folks. And I'm trying to get people to the play, place that they'll recognize that I'm expecting something out of them. Like them before today, I want you to understand while your hands are lifted that God is expecting something out of you. God is expecting you to win this test. God is expecting you to obey. God is expecting you to overcome. God is expecting you to walk some standards and improve your life. God has some expectations. And he's not going to just leave us and not help us with the expectations. If anything about the Holy Spirit, he comes to help and to strengthen. So he's not even going to allow us to walk around with excuses on why we couldn't do such a thing. He will help us to do the thing we need to do. Those who are in the audience, will you stand to your feet? Those who are at home, will you stand? We always ask you to join us just like you will be in worship live. And even as I'm teaching this message about can God trust you? I'm under the same conviction of the message that God was trusting me to give you his message. God wants to raise the standards of obedience in our lives. God wants to raise the standards of serving. God needs people who can carry things out. Where would we be? And I know it's Jesus, but where would we be if Jesus didn't stay on the cross? What if Jesus got tired of them picking at him? That's why I'm still in a season of trying to help Christians mature. Because too many of us are too sensitive. I'm not saying you can't ever cry. You can't ever have no feelings. But too many of us give up and give out. We can't go through nothing. We can't be reproved. We can't be tested. Jesus stayed on that cross. He was embarrassed. He wasn't crucified at night behind closed doors. They hung him in the middle of the day and had the nerve to put Jesus between two thieves. They put him right between two thieves as he was guilty. And he stood there on the cross to fulfill his assignment. The Bible even records that he still had the power of the Son of God while he was being crucified. He could have called forth groups and legions of angels to smite everybody and got off the cross. But for the sake of the assignment for you and I, he stayed the course. He stayed on that cross. He allowed them to pierce him in the side. He allowed them to do that so he can fulfill his promise. I'm trying to tell you very honestly 
Life ain't always gonna be pretty. You gonna have to learn to put up with some stuff. Life ain't always be rosy. Some some seasons you gonna have to endure hardness. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to tell you that everything you go through only gonna last two, two weeks. Sometimes you're gonna have to hold on and trust God through that trial. I wish I could tell you that, but that's not the case all the time. You're gonna have to hold out and hold on to God. God don't want you giving up. God don't want you throwing in the towel. It's time for God to raise up some men and some women of courage and integrity. Who people who are, have trustworthiness. Lift your hands. God's conviction has fallen us to become better people. God hadn't come to condemn us, but God has come to convict us. Me and Pastor Robin is talking about this all for a while now. Because there's so many people can't even be talked to the way I'm teaching and preaching today. They can't be talked to that way. They can't be challenged. They only can be pacified. And God needs to challenge us to grow, improve, become better, to be trusted. And I'm telling you, God wants to raise up some people he can trust. He got assignments for you. He got assignment for you as a man. He got assignment for you as a woman, as a child. He has assignment for you as a father. He has assignment for you as a pastor, as a deacon. He has assignment for you. He got something he wants you to do. Come on, I'm about to pray, but we got too many people off assignment, off post, off course. While your hands lifted, I want you to start praying and ask God, God, what you want me to do right now? Come on, begin to say that. God, what you, what is, what is it that you want me to be working on? And I want you to ask as if you're off course. Some of you may be on target for your life, and that's good. But I want you to ask God this question as if you're off course and you need to be updated with new information god what do you want me to be doing right now in this time of my life in this season of my life what's important what's the priorities of my life what's the priorities of my gift what's the priorities of the season for me what's the priority of my intelligence what what am i supposed to be doing where do i supposed to be right now come on where do I supposed to be right now? Come on, where do I supposed to be right now? Who am I supposed to be talking to right now? What have you committed to my hands? Come on, hands up. Come on, hands up. Come on. What am I supposed to be doing right now? Yes. Hands lifted. We're asking God, God, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm coming into accountability. This is what this is. This, God wants us to come into accountability of who we are and what he's graced us to do. I want you to know you belong somewhere. God has a place for you. God loves you so much that he built you and created you with a design and a purpose. And God loves you dearly. Even if I'm talking stern to you, you got to know that's love. Come on, what parent loves a child and don't sometimes have to raise their voice or change their tone? Come on, and God's the same way. Sometimes God got to get the message to us. And he want to stress to us that he want to hold us accountable. 
of who, who we are even as you're watching online those who are connected on YouTube and Facebook God has a purpose for the design of your season of your life find where God wants you to be and be faithful stop quitting because everything get hard stop throwing in the towel because things get difficult stop giving up because you're being challenged stop giving up because somebody betrayed you you got an assignment to fulfill come on how say yes lord yes We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.